Brought to you by Unicorn.com, the premier esports betting site. Log on today to bet on your favorite games like League of Legends, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, basically any esport you can come up with for the chance to win awesome prizes like the Logitech G633 headset that I'm using right now. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor-in-chief and analyst for Imperial Esports, and welcome to another very special edition of the Rough Drafts Guest Alliance podcast. It is week seven of the North American LCS. There are so many interesting storylines going on, especially after last week did a lot to shake up the overall standings. And I can't think of anyone I'd rather have break it down with me than my good friend and writer for Slingshot Esports, Walter Cietis Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? <laughs> I'm doing quite well. I am uh, officially integrated into the gaming house here. I, uh, I ran picks and bands for the first time, which was quite nice. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, we'll see how, uh, I continue to grow in that regard. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's an adventure really being in Istanbul and doing things. But, you know, who else has been on an adventure, really an emotional adventure would be Cloud9, a team that at the beginning of the year had so many question marks about what they were going to be and where they were eventually going to end up. And we've seen them really develop an identity now over the last couple weeks. And it's one that, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with this, Walter. Is this the Cloud9 that you believe can be a legitimate threat for the North American top spot? Oh, a- absolutely. It, it feels like they finally have fully integrated Rush into, into the Cloud9 system. It seems like they finally adapted to his play style. Uh, someone... I think it was on the the actual LCS broadcast was like praising Rush for single handedly keeping Lee Sin part of the jungle meta, and watching his build path this past week was kind of really interesting. He had some really like weird item choices against TSM. He went for like Steric Gauge and Guardian Angel as his first two items, and tried to like be this unkillable monster. Against Energy, he then went for Titanic Hydra into Banshee's Veil, into Warden's Mail. Like, it was just super fun watching him play Lee Sin and kind of reminding us that he is this mechanical god on the champion. Uh, his ability to get kicks onto Double Lift's Kog'Maw in, in Game 1 on, on Saturday was phenomenal and was what ended up winning them the game. The, the couple of team fights they had where they cornered Double Lift. And when you listen to mic check, you just constantly hear them waiting for the second double lift is out of position or waiting for the second he has an opening, and they're instantly just double, double, double. And I, it, it was just a joy to watch him. And I hate Lee Sin with a burning passion. <laughs> you do. I, I've played with you before. Your one rule is we ban Lee Sin or I don't play. That's kind of how it goes. But it is fun. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. <laughs> you're, you're not a fan. But... <laughs> But anyway, I am a fan of this Cloud9 team right now, and I do agree with you. I think this team has really developed uh, an identity for themselves that is sustainable, which is something that when you look at what it takes to be a top-tier team, a team that can really threaten when the playoffs roll around, you need to have 
a core that is sustainable and gives yourself multiple ways to win. And Cloud9 right now, you know, they have Rush playing these, you know, more aggressive early game champions and have coordinated now with High, with the rest of this team, so that he is able to get ganks off without necessarily playing quite as recklessly as we might have seen him do in his impulse days. We have Balls, who has returned finally to a form that, if not consistently playing to the level that one might hope from the guy, at the very least doing enough so that he can, you know, keep this team going. And every once in a while, he has a great game like the Gangplank game he had against TSM, where he just starts getting those combos off and things turn around. And the most fun part of it for me has been watching Jensen just you know, pick a new champion every week. He's, you know, last week it's like, I'm going to carry on Oriana. This week I'm doing Twisted Fate and just come and stop me. And they can't. He's just using those teleports so effectively around the map and causing these global plays that is really what you want to see from a Cloud9 team. But you know, Walter, what I don't want to see from a Cloud9 team are the mid-game collapses that we saw against both TSM and NRG this week. These were both games that they were winning till around the 20-minute mark, and things just started going wrong. And I, I gotta ask, do you think that this is a problem with the compositions that they're trying to build for themselves, or is there a particular shot-calling pattern that we're seeing them fall into in the mid-game that needs some attention? I, I think it's mostly the compositions that were against them were, were very, very strong kind of mid-game focused teams, uh, the the Kog'Ma, once it hits that that item spike of Runons and, and Guinsos is really a pain, and TSM had a really good Protect the Kog'Ma composition, mm-hmm. where if you look at Cloud9's roster, they, they have that early game, they had that similar sort of spike with the Kalista, but Balls really needed to like continue to snowball, and TSM did a really good job of trying to initiate fights before Balls got there, or catching taking one person out of the equation immediately. They really focused on Rush early and tried to pop him away from the team with Gragas ultimates and then focus him down or focus down the Soraka. Cloud9's composition against TSM was much better once it scaled into the late game, once Soraka kind of had the ability to keep everyone alive. And uh, really, there was the one fight in like the mid lane where they finally killed the Kog'Maw, and it was all because uh, Soraka was able to keep Lee Sen. TSM was able to get Rush away from the rest of the team and start to burst him down, but the Soraka was there just spamming heal on him, and while TSM was focusing so much damage and so many of their cooldowns on Rush, the rest of the team were able to, you know, get their damage and get their cooldowns in, and then Jensen was able to teleport right on top of Kog'Maw and finish him off. Uh, game 2 was sort of the similar thing. It was, it was they had a really good early game spike with, with Lucian and, and Morgana, and again, it was just finding the right team fight in the mid game to you know take advantage of uh, some of the positioning mistakes that Azrael and the Graves had. So, part of its composition, part of it's just finding the right team fights. Their their compositions this week were very kind of hinging on Jensen and Rush finding the right pick and getting into the middle of the enemy team and and just getting that right kick or that right stun and going from there. I think you make a really good point about the late game because the Soraka in particular was so huge in that win against TSM. Once the Equinox was able to catch out Double Lift, which, you know, if you're a TSM fan, you probably look at that and say, what was Double Lift doing? How does he let himself get caught in that position? But 
regardless of, of whether that was a misplay or not from TSM's part, he did manage to make some very important plays that kept his team alive, and that's something that Cloud9 has repeatedly done when it comes to the late game. They are one of the best teams in the league at capitalizing on enemy mistakes, and you know people will point to high for that, and I don't disagree. It's not something they were able to do when Bunny Fufu was in earlier in the season, and ever since High has put himself in charge, you see these much more decisive calls, these much more decisive flanks, and a team that really can play the late game better than just about anybody. And obviously we can say that because Immortals usually doesn't have to get to the late game. <laughs> but the one thing I am concerned about is an over-aggression that I think we've seen from Cloud9 in the mid-game, in both the TSM game and the game against NRG, but the NRG one in particular. You know, they go for that Baron in around the 22nd minute that was just completely unnecessary. You know, they'd won a nice fight, but it wasn't, you know, such a strong fight that they really needed to overextend themselves there. And they just left themselves open to be countered, to allow the enemy team to come back in. And that's just not the kind of thing you expect a top team to do. Walter, do you think that there is a problem with this team potentially underestimating some of their opponent's capabilities when this mid-game rolls around, given how strong they usually play the early game? Or do you think that this is you know, an outlier in terms of, of where they are as a team right now? So the shot calling kind of reminds me of Fnatic from last year, where they were very, very aggressive in their calls, and especially early on. And is it going to bite them a couple times? Yeah, I think so. But Cloud9 as a team realizes that you aren't going to win games by sitting back on your heels. You need to make aggressive plays. You need to make aggressive decisions. And you need to test the limits of not only your team, but the enemy team. So at that Baron... Energy needs to make a play to get that Baron too. It's not as simple as, you know, Cloud9 goes in and, oh, they fail the Baron. Like, the other team also has to make a play. It, they understand that it's it's a given, it's, it's a take. One of, you know, one of, like, three things are going to happen. They're either going to get Baron, they're going to fall away from Baron, or they're going to get engaged upon and energy is going to win a fight and get Baron and maybe get some objectives off of it. So it's kind of, you know, two out of three options go in Cloud9's favor, essentially. So it's about risks, and maybe it's a little early to take that risk given how much damage Baron does, and we all know it's throw pit, and if Dignitas was in it, we all would be making jokes about how they throw the game. But you don't get wins by just sitting back and letting the enemy team beat themselves. You have to make some aggressive calls you're going to make some mistakes and it's learning early on in the season when you're capable of making these decisions, when you're not capable of making these decisions, no one ever questions when a team sneaks a Baron at 21 minutes, you know, everyone goes, Oh, that was such a great play. That's amazing. It's only when it fails that we criticize it. And we need to realize that sneaking a Baron at 21 minutes with no vision is just as risky as what cloud nine did. And cloud nine just lost out on it. Ultimately, they didn't lose the game because they had better shot calling. They they're able to win more team fights at the end of the game when it really mattered. So I don't think it's an issue. I think they're still learning as a team, and High is still learning as a shot caller. And when we get to the playoffs, if they're making these similar types of mistakes, then that's an issue. 
But going forward, I don't think it's a huge, huge issue. That's fair. I, I, I guess I'm a little harsher on it because, to me, Cloud9 has played the early game and both of the games this week so well that there wasn't a need to take some of the risks that they were taking. They had the tower advantage. They had all this pressure and these side waves. You know, it, it's something that I, I noticed actually also was the reason that TSM lost that game. You know, there's this urgency sometimes that teams feel that they have to make a play. They have to do the thing that wins them the game because they are so far ahead or they feel so comfortable in where they are in the game. Why not just make the game-winning play, take it home, and, and whatever else? And, you know, when TSM did it late in the game, you know, the Equinox comes in, Kog'Maw gets killed, and suddenly, instead of just being able to, you know, push that mid lane while the super minions come sprawling into the base and do serious damage to the Nexus Towers, now suddenly Cloud9 has won a fight, they can wipe that out, they can take their own towers, they can get back in control. And when Cloud9 did it, it was letting NRG and TSM dictate the pace for a bit. And And to me, it's a matter of... You have to take risks, you have to make choices, or you will just lose out in the long run. But it's about calculated risks. Mm-hmm. And I like sneaking barons. I like taking those kinds of risks when you're either behind and you desperately need to make a play to catch up, or if you have, you know, such strong vision or whatever else that it's not as big, you know, that it, it's something that you can reliably count upon. But when you have the leads that they've had and you have a play style that, you know, especially this week, it revolved around the Twisted Fate. You know, it didn't revolve around standing still in team fights, you know, in, in, in barren pits and in those kinds of objective focuses. It's supposed to be about flanks. It's supposed to be about playing the map as a whole. Don't play against your strengths because you feel like you're ahead enough that you can make this kind of super aggressive play. And that's really what I want to see from them. But, you know, like you said, at the end of the day, they handled business, they took care of these games, and they are now tied for second in the North American LCS, which is something we could not say uh, very recently. But that brings us to the other half of, of this game that we just discussed, which is NRG. And NRG is a team that I find weirdly fascinating. And I'm not sure exactly why, because it's a team that is very up and down. They haven't had anything resembling consistency for a while now. It basically since the beginning of the season when they came off with a very strong start. But Walter, let's let's start with the positives, I guess. What are we seeing from NRG that gives you hope that they can be, you know, some sort of threat when the playoffs roll around? Uh GBM? I guess uh, GBM's been a, a monster in, in team fights, and also when you put him on assassins, he's had some some moments where he's been able to one v one less skilled mid laners, which is you know half to three quarters of the LCS. I think there's only a few mechanically that that actually can keep up with him. Um, but outside of that, I guess I would say their their team fighting is is very very cohesive between GBM and Impact as a whole. They're very strong when it comes to manipulating team fights, when it comes to layering CC on key targets, when it comes down to peeling for all tech. But beyond that, their early game has just been a, a, a huge mess. Huge mess. And their their playstyle has been more about limiting the amount of damage that happens in the early game, trying to limit the deficit that they're playing against. 
more than it is, you know, trying to get out to a lead, trying to get a ton of objectives, trying to, you know, snowball certain lanes. It's been really, really passive. Let's sit back. And if something falls in our lap, it falls in our lap. But outside of that, they're very, very keen on letting the early game kind of go to their opponent. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And it is interesting, this kind of dual-edged sword that we see from NRG. We know that they are very good at letting GVM do his thing. When they play the kind of poke composition that they played with Dignitas, you know, they can just get to that mid-game, do all of this poke damage, siege very effectively. And GVM, he just seems to be the guy, the trendsetter, I guess you could say, for the North American LCS. Every week he brings out a pick that no one else is really doing, and then people try to copy it. You know, he brought the Zillion first, now he's bringing the Karma, and we saw someone try to imitate that, and it did not go particularly well. But, you know, it he does have this kind of versatility to him. But as you said, it is very difficult to look at what this team does in the early game and feel comfortable with it. So much of this meta right now is about being proactive, is about getting guys leads that they can then turn into something in the long run. But this team doesn't have an obvious place for that. You would think the obvious place would be impact, but since week one, that simply hasn't been the case. And so you're left with hoping that Moon is that guy, which it doesn't seem like that coordination has gone very well. GBM's very passive. Uh, Alltech obviously has his own set of issues that I want to get to in a second, but Walter, if, if you were going to try to fix these early game issues f- for this NRG team, where do you start? Uh, they need a new jungler. They don't need to replace Alltech, they need to replace Moon, because there is no synergy between him and Impact. Zero. And it seems like Energy was trying to create a similar sort of style that that Team Impulse had last year with Russian Russian Impact, but the level of synergy that Russian Impact had to get these early leads for the for Impact was phenomenal. They were probably two of the most in sync players in the LCS, and that just has not happened with Moon and Impact. Whether it's they don't trust each other, whether it's they don't speak the same language, whatever it is the case, it's just not there. So you need to do one of two things. You need to either change your play style and have Moon focus on a different lane and focus on something else, whether it's counter jungling, whether it's counter ganking, whether it's going to the mid lane, whether it's going to the bot lane, whatever. And instead of doing that, they've kind of just had this very sort of mumbled, well, we're going to keep trying to play through top lane, but if not, just sort of keep farming your jungle and get vision. And it just has not been successful at all. So... I think that's your first move is to replace Moon with someone maybe that is more in sync with Impact or that brings a different style to the team or or something like that, which I have a little bit of a theory might happen this week, but I'm not quite positive since nothing's been announced. Well, we did hear those rumors from the Daily Dot uh, a couple weeks ago that said that Moon was looking to step down, that he didn't feel comfortable in the role he was in right now, and that they were looking at finding other options. And he he kind of plays like it, to be honest. You can tell when a player doesn't quite feel comfortable in their own skin. You know, Remy was very much that way, a player who was talented but 
wasn't able to maintain the kind of confidence that you would want going into some of those big moments. And Moon just doesn't play the way that we saw him play in the Challenger series. And it could be a language thing. It could easily be just some miscommunication with what impact needs. But regardless of whatever it is, it does seem like this is a team that has confidence issues just across the board, which brings us to that Alltech point that we've kind of, you know, skirted around so far, but really needs some further examination because Alltech has stepped down in favor of LOD. This will be for the this th- week. For this week, it will be the third time that Laud, as they will say, will be playing for a, a, a different team, which is kind of incredible in its own right. Funnily enough, during his time on Renegades, he had the exact same KDA that Altec has so far. So who knows? Maybe it won't be much of a difference. But you have to wonder, Walter, when you have rumors that Moon is looking to step down, and now we're seeing Altec taking at least one week to himself, are there serious reasons to be concerned about the just general state of affairs over at NRG? So... I think it's two separate issues. I don't think it's anything to do with energy is like a bad organization or I think it's just that these two players don't feel like they fit with the rest of the team. Moon in particular, I feel like it's more of a culture issue. He's not used to playing with Koreans. He doesn't understand what they're saying. That That's what I think is there. I think that's more of he's just not the right fit for this team. I think if he was on a different team, he might be more successful, which is unfortunate because I really, really was like playing him up and I was really excited to see him. All tech, I think, is more of a personal thing. And I think it's more he is in his own head, and he is not as successful as he was last split, and this is like the fourth team that he's been on in two and a half years, and I think that the hype has gotten to him. He was really overhyped when he joined Winter Fox. Everyone thought he was going to be the next great North American carry, and by North American standards, he's a very good 80 carry, but I don't think that he can recover from this this split. I think this split has shown some really huge flaws, and he plays very disinterested this split. He seems like he really doesn't want to play the game at a high level. He seems very detached from, from the game as a whole. And granted, he had a very nice game against Dignitas, but he has one of the lowest kill participations out of any AD carry. And outside of just having some really safe farming in lane, having really safe, well-executed laning phases, his team fighting is just not very good when you compare it to other AD, you know, other top AD carries in the region, when you compare it to Piglet, when you compare it to Doublelift. He just seems to be very scared when anyone gets close to him. And he's not, you know, he's not attack moving when a tank gets in his face or when he gets out of position. And I never liked Alltech. I guess at the early, beginning of the year, I kind of started to hop on the bandwagon. I thought he was going to do great on this team, but I am right back off of it. I don't think... I think he needs to have the right situation with the right players around him for him to be successful, and he hasn't shown that yet. It's really rough right now, and as someone who was very firmly on the Alltech bandwagon, it's not been fun to watch this split. And... He is a guy, you know, we've seen him 
leave the 80 carry position before because he didn't feel confident enough in his play and move to that support role, which was a very, very, very weird time in League of Legends, I think is safe to say. But you look at where his KDA is right now. He's got a 3.5 KDA. That puts him, like I said, tied with LOD during his time at Renegades. Apollo has a better KDA. Uh, Stixay has a su- much superior KDA. MASH actually has one of the better KDAs in North America. So maybe KDA isn't everything. But when you look at you know, Altec's deaths, he has died the fourth most of any AD carry right now. His kill participation is only better than that of Apollo, Wild Turtle, and OQ. And of those three, Wild Turtle's kill participation is only so low because Huni and Rainover make so many plays on their own. It's really rough right now. And I don't... It's hard to pinpoint exactly what's gone wrong. I think the obvious answer is that because there isn't a natural lane that they're trying to get going elsewhere, teams can really just punish the more passive playstyle that he has. He's a guy that loves to farm up and then be a big threat in team fights. And we saw, especially in the game against Cloud9, he fell behind so quickly in terms of CS. I mean, he was massively behind. And against a team like Dignitas, you can get away with it because Dignitas is also a passive team because Dignitas has their own series of of issues that you can get through a very passive play and just poke them out and leave them with no openings because Dignitas is not a team that has proven the ability to make openings for themselves consistently. But when you're looking at where they are in terms of the playoffs, it does not look good right now. And if Alltech is not going to bounce back mentally, if Moon has to be replaced, I mean, is it is it safe to say this team is at risk of potentially not being in the playoffs at all right now? I think there's a, a small risk. Um, it, it honestly depends on if they can fix the, the jungle issue, but I don't think both Echo Fox and Liquid are going to be good enough to knock Energy out. I think Energy is going to win just enough games at this point to secure a spot, and I think Echo Fox and Liquid are going to be kind of fighting with each other for that, that last spot. Uh, in the playoffs at this moment, Energy is one and one with Echo Fox, and they're zero and one with with Liquid. So, Energy's biggest game that is like a must win is they need to beat Team Liquid in that second game. Yeah, which is not this week. No, it no, is it's not, not this week. week. It's it's in the coming weeks. So that to me is is the biggest. Hermit needs to circle that game, and that is literally the most important game for them to win at this point, because they need to at least force a tiebreaker against both of these teams, which I think in a one-on-one tiebreaker, Energy probably holds the holds the advantage over both of them, if it comes down to it. So, we'll see. I'm They're going to be in the playoffs. They could be dangerous in the playoffs, because the, the staff around them is really good at preparation, and GBM has the ability to pull out some weird picks that teams won't be used to or ready for, but they're definitely not going to be contending for the championship this split. I'll, I'll give you that much. Yeah, there's still some work that needs to be done. You, They need to figure out what the long-term answer at both jungle and AD carry are, because right now 
it just doesn't feel like they have one. And it's, you know, I, I, again, I don't like to jump to conclusions. I'm not backstage. I can't tell you, you know, any insider information on NRG, but I do find it kind of interesting that the players that we see consistently have issues with this team. It's the non-Koreans that don't have a ton of experience playing with other Koreans in that format. There does seem to be something where there, whether it's just a communication thing, a cultural thing, whatever it is, they need to sort this out as an organization because you can only import two guys. You can't just hope that more Koreans can fix the issue. So you've got to find a way to incorporate some of these players better. And right now, Moon hasn't been incorporated properly, and Altec seems to have taken a step back. And that's, that's worrying to me. But we'll see. Hopefully they are able to, to turn things around and we can see more GBM highlights pretty soon. But, you know, Walter, I got to ask you, you know, highlight reels. There's, there's things that, that we use all the time as we prep for our podcast, right? Yeah, I, I enjoy looking at them on, on the Reddits, whether it's for, you know, League of Legends or other esports. I, I find them amusing. Yeah, no, it, it's something where it gives us a quick way to catch up and really enjoy all of our favorite moments when it comes to everything in esports, whether it's streams or competitive play. It's a great way to, you know, latch onto things, but sometimes it could be really difficult to find good highlights because, you know, YouTube videos, there's only so many editors out there. And it's really hard for just an average person to make highlights of the things that they love. So wouldn't it be awesome if there was a website people could go to and make highlight videos quickly, easily, and do so in a way that could build a kind of community together? Wouldn't you love that yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, that'd be awesome. There, you can never have enough highlight videos of Ganked by Mom's Ties. Well, there you go. I See, this, and this is exactly the kind of thing that you can highlight on Vibby.com. Vibby is a new community-based video platform. They allow you to make highlight reels super easily. It's something that even I, with very little video editing experience at this point, can just latch on and do. You go and you put the timestamps on that you need. You pick exactly what points you want to highlight. You can upload the video, share with you know, your friends and with people that want to see that content as well. And you can go to pages where people are, are fans of the content together and, and back and forth with these moments. It's a great way for teams to interact with fans. It's a great way to fans to show their appreciation for their favorite team or their streamer. It's a great platform. We highly encourage you to go to Vibby.com and take advantage of that today. But we're going to move on now to a team that hasn't had a lot of highlights this past week. I don't know what the Vibby would be for this team, but it would not have been a very long one after this week. <laughs> And it is Team Liquid. This is a team that when Dardock first hit the stage, we felt very good about. He won the MVP that week. It felt like they were finally coming on. And now, just little by little, this team seems to have fallen apart. Walter, if you had to pick one thing that separates the team that we were so excited about then from the team that has struggled so far in recent weeks, what pops out to you? Uh, the rookies are hitting the 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 rookie wall as uh, as is brought up in, in NFL uh, particularly is that the rookies aren't used to the rigor of an NFL season. They aren't used to having 
you know, having to practice as hard as they do all week. They aren't used to how intense the games are. You know, playing football has a huge toll on your body. And when you're playing against guys that are at that level, you're not used to it. So I think a similar thing can be said here in terms of like the mental toll that's taken on them. Sure, the 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 Team Liquid Academy guys were in a very rigorous kind of setting that was very similar to the LCS in terms of their practice schedule and everything. But playing in the LCS is just an entirely different animal. You aren't only playing you know, one game a week. You're playing two games. You have to be prepared for multiple opponents. You have to be adjusting your champion pool so much. And I think it's, it's really prevalent in Lorlo in particular, who has not really been part of a seasonal structured team environment since I think spring of 2015 when he was on Storm or maybe it was CLG Black but he's been the one that you see in really kind of his progress has halted and it was he was playing really well earlier in the season he was really being efficient in team fights peeling for his carries you know soloing the enemy top laner you know him and Dardox seem to really have this synergy and there's just an amount of fatigue that you're now seeing in his play uh, particularly against immortals and i i have to cut him cut him some slack i have to cut liquid slack as a whole playing against immortals is really, really difficult. So I'll cut them some slack for losing the game to Immortals. But man, he made KFO look really, really good this week. Yeah, and that, this is the thing. You're, you're going to give him some slack for that Immortals game. I'm not, just because the degree to which they were dominated was something that you would expect Immortals to do against a team like Renegades. Like, mm-hmm. I expect that kind of domination when Immortals is playing a team from the bottom of the bracket because, you know, the Huni, they just fed so many resources his way. You know, they just have such decisive map control and everything just went so well for them. As a general rule, throughout this entire split, they've been so decisive in these calls. So I understand that Immortals is a very tough team to play against. Lorlo got crushed. I don't think there's another way to say it. I think there was one point at which Huni had 80 CS to Lorlo's 20. Like, that's not okay. The Dardoch picking Udir, this is something that I was very concerned by because that's the kind of pick you make when you don't have confidence in your team play. You know, Udir is someone who's always going to have value as a solo jungler, but isn't something that you want to pick if you're looking to team fight effectively and everything else. And Matt's Alistar, which he played in both games this week, it just felt like he has lost the confidence to hit that ultimate and establish his tanky window the way that he needs to for this team to take advantage of the backline that is their strength. And it's left this team in a really weird state of being unsure of themselves consistently from team fight to team fight especially the echo fox game and that's the one that i agree that we should focus on because a it was 57 minutes long so we got to see a lot of it and b it gave everything that was good and bad about this team right now walter what do you what happened in these late game team fights because for a while there this liquid team was pretty solidly in control thanks to all their objective pressure. What went wrong? Basically, it was 
b- both teams ran ran doubles easy at portal, which I hate. I hope that item gets nerfed very hard very soon because there's no reason this game should have been almost an hour, and it was only almost an hour because of that item. So riot, please nerf it. It's kind of it makes the game kind of boring to watch. But that was a sidebar. Uh, as a whole, it just seemed like they had that KFO was able to get in and, and was able to alt the carries, and specifically Phoenix. And I don't think it was that Phoenix was out of position. I think it was just as a whole, Lorlo, the, the three rookies, Lolo, Lorlo, Dardak, and Matt, had a really bad time of peeling KFO away from them. And Nautilus is a pain to deal with when it comes to the amount of CC he brings. He has the slows, he has the root from his passive, he has the hook, he has the ultimate, but... It was that KFO kept flashing, and the second he, like, you have to start learning how to read the enemy the enemy tanks and how they're going to engage. It should be pretty obvious that when a Nautilus starts running at you, he's probably going to either flash or hook or try to get his alt off, and his alt has a pretty deceptive range that he's able to do it. And even if he launches that ultimate and the enemy team doesn't immediately burst out that target, that ultimate is a distraction not only for the player that it's targeting, but for the rest of the team, because the path that it travels, it's able to knock people up, and typically your tanks are going to be in front of your carries. So it's almost, it's not just CCing the target, it's not just CCing Phoenix or just CCing the Ezreal, it's CCing the tanks that are in front of them, and that allows this heavy burst AD carry composition from, from the Corky and from the Lucian to just rip through a tank very quickly. And granted, Alistar should be able to alt and be able to soak up a ton of damage, but his alts were really, really mistimed. He was alting early. He was alting like the second that the CC went off, rather than trying to hold out until he was about half health and then use it to soak up more damage. Mm-hmm. So his alt, so Matt's ultimates weren't very efficient, and Lorlo was missing. Lorlo and Dardock were missing a lot of their disengage tools, either only getting them on KFO, getting them on big. It just wasn't very efficient use of their cooldowns. And at the end of the day, it was just Echo Fox was outplaying the CC of Liquid and using their CC way more efficiently. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And I I think the other thing that's really important to keep in mind is how target selection worked for Liquid in these fights. There were a lot of times in which you saw Liquid, you know, they see the Nautilus and they would freak out and they would spend all of this, all these spells, all these cooldowns trying to, you know, panic deal with that. And the problem with Nautilus is that he's super tanky. That's not who you should be spending your cooldowns on. You needed to get to that massive backline because Keith and Froggen were basically able to run wild for the vast majority of these late-game fights. And honestly, you know, one of two things needed to happen. Either A, they needed to be less greedy in the early game so that they could have taken a much more decisive lead heading into the mid-game, because there were several times where they stuck around too long, and instead of being happy with the kill that they grabbed, it ended up being traded back, and a lot of mistakes like that that just shouldn't be happening. Uh, Or they needed to understand what Echo Fox's win condition was, and try to get some flanks and some picks onto that backline. Because had either Froggen or Keith gone down in most of those fights... Echo Fox wasn't going to have the damage to keep going, but they Mm -hmm. didn't, and instead they were forced into these really weird engages that never quite paid off, and 
they just looked uncomfortable. Matt looked uncomfortable. Dardock looked like a guy who did not feel comfortable in this team fight positioning. And that's a problem when you're relying on these young guys so heavily. And, you know, Piglet put in a great game. I think the bot lane as a whole for, you know, the way they were able to play the laning phase in the bot lane, you would have thought that they could use that to, you know, use the poppy Alistar frontline and do some serious damage. But when they play the way they did there, it's really hard to make the most out of your composition. So the question now becomes, Walter, you know, when we went into the season, we did not think Liquid was a playoff team. Liquid right now is tied for sixth. Do you think that they have enough time to address these issues and make their way into the playoffs? I think they do. Um, One of the issues they face is that Echo Fox has kind of emerged here, and they're tied. So if those two teams tie, they have to have some sort of tiebreaker. The one advantage they have is that they are 1-0 against NRG. And Mm -hmm. like with NRG, this is a very important game for them. If they win this game, that gives them an advantage over energy, and that could help them sneak in at either that fifth or sixth position. Mm-hmm. I think they have a chance of making the playoffs. I think energy is going to get one spot, and I think Echo Fox and Team Liquid are going to be fighting over that that last spot. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfortunate that Echo Fox is trending upward at this moment, and Liquid is trending downward. So what they need to do is they need to... They might need to take... I, I really against this but they might need to take a day off, collect their thoughts, you know, take some of the pressure off the players just for a day, let them relax. You know, maybe it's a Tuesday, you know, early in the week, whatever, because their rookies seem to be burned out. Mm-hmm. And maybe they need to bring some smoothie and, uh, or, you know, a zig in for a game just to, just to let uh, Lorlo and, and Matt, you know, have a day away from the LCS. But they need to do something to give these guys a little bit of an outlet because it seems they're very stressed out. It seems they're not used to playing at the at an LCS level day in, day out. And that might burn them in the long run. But taking that day off might help relieve some of that stress, might help relieve some of that pressure, and allow them to come back refreshed, re-energized, and make that final push for the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see how this team does. I I would like to see Liquid step up, if only because I think Piglet is the kind of guy I want to see in the playoffs. It, that mm-hmm. bot lane, if Matt gets back to where he was, is really, really fun to watch. And it is such a shame that he's just not there right now. But we will have to see... I do have one thing to say about Piglet. Please. Piglet, sidebar. What the hell was giving that pentakill to Hooney? You never would have done that in the past. What's going on, buddy? Because that's not that's not the season three world championship piglet that I know. Don't ever do that again. That is not you, my friend. Never. Bad piglet. Stop. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> that, that, is, that that actually really irritated me when they did that. He sh- piglet never would have done that in the past. I agree with you. It's it's a concern. Uh, I just you know to me it's something where. You, a guy like Piglet needs to believe in his team. We saw what happened last split if he lost faith in his team. Mm-hmm. And that can't happen again. We'll have to see if they can make up for it. I, I'd like to think that they can. But it really is going to be a matter of mind over matter here. They cannot lose faith. They cannot let the losses from this week get to them because 
guys like Echo Fox, they have this upward trend right now that they would love to take advantage of. They can smell blood in the water if you're not careful. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see where it goes. So I think it's time to get in the gambling lines. we got to look at what Unicorn thinks about the upcoming week. And Walter, last last round did not go very well for you. You went 0 for 10 in the EULCS Challenge. And at this point, since I've got a 10-2 lead, pretty much every week here, much like Liquid and Echo Fox, I feel like you've got a must-win every week from this point forward if you don't want to uh, get your profile picture in jeopardy here. <laughs> Have you changed your strategy? Do you have a, a, a new approach to bring to the uh, the most important of all games that we play here on the spot? Uh, yes. So basically what I learned from the European podcast is that any of these ones that I feel like are um, are really, you know, like top teams versus bottom teams, I just, I, I went with my initial gut feeling and then I added 50 to it. Mm. So so hopefully that works. If that doesn't work for NA, then next week on Europe, it'll be, I'll just add 100 to it. Yeah, I think Europe is uh, higher than North America. North America, we're still trying to sort some things together. The middle of the pack is clumped up. But, you know, maybe it's hard to figure out for some people who's going to win these games. But I went 3-0 and in my smart money bets last week. I went all in on Echo Fox, and I took Cloud9 over TSM. And we were rewarded handsomely for it. We are now 12-6 and in North America for the year. And if you bet $100 on every bet we recommended on this podcast you'd have 659 more dollars right now it's free money people just if you did north america and europe you'd have over a thousand two hundred dollars i'm just saying we are we are trying to give the people what they want and unicorns even letting us put it on their site just sign up and take advantage of it people you can folks we're esports gambling experts let us it ha- says so on twitter <laughs> that's true it absolutely says so on twitter so we start with impulse versus liquid you know poor impulse you know remember that one week where we thought that impulse might be good like i i miss those days those were fun now now we have this actual we impulse actually thought game. they were good for a week yeah remember they you know it looked like proxen was going to be a thing they had a really nice. Uh, they had a couple nice victories there. Pyrian looked like he was going to be a good poke guy, and then things went downhill really, really quickly. It's. Yeah. I, I think this team's in a lot of trouble, but you know, Liquid needs a bounce back game, so maybe this is that for them. Where do you think the line is? I I have Team Liquid minus two hundred. Okay, you and I split this one because I also said minus two hundred. It is minus two twenty seven. Which I think okay, is sadly fair. very reasonable. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. I was gonna say, like, I I like picking against Liquid this week just because I I think that Liquid right now, when it gets in your head, man, it's kind of like a pitcher in in baseball. Once you've got that in your head, it can be very hard to snap out of it sometimes. But plus one seventy, I'm not sure if that's enough. We'll have to come back to nope. it. Uh, not a chance. Echo Fox versus TSM. Echo Fox obviously has been on the rise now that Froggen has returned and KFO actually looks like a legitimate player uh, rather than the guy that we saw at the very beginning of the season. And TSM, on the other hand, seems to be really struggling against some of these better teams and also against Dignitas, which is not something we were expecting. Uh, Just some really difficult plays for, for TSM right now. 
Walter, as a TSM fan, what do you think is the, the biggest problem that they have from last week, and how do they fix it in here? Losing games? <laughs> You're I, not wrong. I, <laughs> that's the biggest problem. They went 0-2. Um, honestly, I, I'm not quite sure. I got a Bjergsen on LeBlanc game, which is, I, I, I really wanted a game of them playing through, through Bjergsen. And I guess technically they played it with Kog'Maw, which made zero sense to me. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Bjergsen just doesn't feel right. He feels like something's really off and maybe it's the wrist, but you know, who'd be a good replacement for him. There's this mid laner over in Europe I swear that to plays God. for this team. And he's one of like the most improved players in the L- in the European LCS. And I think his name is like um, it's like Bruce Be- Betty <laughs> Betsy Betsy. He plays for Rocket. You're and the worst. I think he'll be a really good mid laner for this team next play. You're the worst. I don't <laughs> look. I, I look. Let's be real here. I think TSM. You would hope that they could find someone. At the very least, they could pay off somebody better than Betsy. You would hope. I, I like Betsy, but if TSM wanted to send Rockat a giant briefcase filled with money for Betsy, I'm okay with this. That is fine by me. I envision a, a much darker fate, honestly, for that uh, for that Rockat team. But yellow, where do you yellow think Star and Bjergsen have not been very good? Yeah. They've been very mediocre this split, which is not good considering we we thought they were like the best at their position coming into the season. Yeah, Double Lift is right now the only guy who's really holding up to what we thought going into the season, and that is not necessarily where you want to be. Where do you think the line is? I have TSM at minus 180. Okay, you get this one. I was too high here. I said minus 280. It is minus (laughs) 227. Oh. Hmm, yeah. There's There's some sneaky value here. I like Echo Fox plus 170. I really like the way Echo Fox has been playing. I think Froggen can hold his own against Bjergsen. I think mm-hmm. that KFO right now can can do enough with Haunter just because it seems like they've really let KFO just play to his strengths, and I really like what they've been able to do with him. I am a little worried about Hard right now. He seems like the one weak point the TSM could exploit, but I don't think Sven Skaren's blowing me away. Hard's gotten progressively better game in and game out. I will say, I think TSM plays exclusively through Haunters this game. Yeah. Like, I, Sven Skaren is going to camp top pretty hard. I... <laughs> He's going to camp top pretty hard. Yeah. No, I, I think this is definitely a... Uh, yeah, I laughed at my own joke. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, I gotta be honest with you. That was not, uh, that was not where I was expecting to go. That was really, that was really uh, straightforward. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think Sven Skaren and Haunters are just going to take KFO to the cleaners. Yeah, it's, that's got to be the plan of your TSM. You, you, it's just a matter of whether they can do it effectively. Immortals versus CLG. Game of the week, right? Kind of has to be. I mean, I guess you could say Cloud9 versus CLG is the game of the week because those teams are closer. But what, one of these two. One of these two are. Here's the question. Has CLG done enough to make you think that they could make the gods uh, bleed, as they kept saying on the North American LCS broadcast. I think that the weakness in the first game was Xmithy, mm. and Xmithy's gotten really good. I've never really liked Xmithy, but man, he, he added like a niddly. He's added some like aggression in the early game, mm-hmm. and Gragas is back, which is like one of his best champions. So as long as they don't pick Sejuani, I think CLG has a chance here. Yeah. It's not a great chance, but they have a chance. 
18, though, is really hard. I think people underestimate just how hard it is to win every they're, game. They're 37-0 is harder. It's, it's just ridiculous. I, I honestly, you know, I, when I look at what Immortals is, is doing right now, it does feel like they're playing on a different plane than the rest of the teams in North America. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you and I have mentioned this before, Immortals losing a game might be the best thing that could happen to them. Because at some point, you need to know that you are fallible, and you have to play a different way to avoid making mistakes. Because if you go into the playoffs and just assume that you're untouchable, that mm-hmm. can be a problem in its own right. But right now, I think Immortals is just going to do everything in their power to keep the win streak alive. Where do you think the line is here? I have Immortals at minus 225. Okay, I get this one. I said minus 300. It is minus 313. Oh, that is... That's just disrespectful. I think Unicorn's just assuming that Immortals is just that good. I don't think they would put any line for Immortals... Below 300 right now. I'll put I it think, this way. Like I think against Cloud9 and CLG, that's a mistake. I, you know, it's, it's really tough to say because when Immortals looks good, they look so good. And they're mm-hmm. constantly able to bring out all these different types of compositions. We haven't seen any way to exploit that bot lane, which we thought was the one place where maybe teams would be able to catch them out. We haven't mm-hmm. found one way of really keeping Huni down the same way that teams in Europe and teams of the World Championship were able to exploit him. They need to find a way of attacking this team that no one's been able to pull off yet. And I guess it's one of those things where they say, well, until someone proves that they can, that they can Mm -hmm. even kind of make it close, then we're going to have to keep these lines high. But on the other hand, CLG plus 230, I want to remember that line. I, I I like that. That's that's an interesting line to me. It's it's worth remembering. We need to keep going. Uh, NRG versus Renegades. We already talked about NRG. I, I guess we should say really quickly, like Renegades. You know, they made some improvements. That's nice, right? Mm, I mean, yeah, I guess they made some improvements. Is it enough to save them from being the worst team in the LCS? No, of course not. not. A chance. No, they're terrible. It's but I mean. What are you going to do? I, th- at this point in the season, they're already pretty much guaranteed the last place spot. They're not going to win three more games of their last six. They've still got to play Cloud9. They've got to play NRG. They've got to play Echo Fox. They've got to play DSM. Yeah. There's, there's no way. Nope. So all you can do is try to be good enough so that when the challenger scene rolls around, you can still win there. And you got to take what you get, I suppose. It's, it's a rough place to be right now. But at the end of the day, you know, at least their early game looks better. <laughs> at least it looks like there's an actual, you know, team going on. But yeah, I'm I'm not really a fan either. It's it's a tough place to be. Where do you think the line is on this? Uh, I have energy at minus three hundred. Okay, I get this one. I said minus three fifty. It is minus five hundred. Okay. Yeah. There's no respect for Renegades. Like I said, Europe plus 100 next week. Got it. <laughs> next up, Cloud9 versus Dignitas. Cloud9 Cloud minus 350. Uh, I get this one. I said minus 400. It is minus 
667. Not a lot of faith in Dignitas. They beat TSM last week. There are signs of life. I'm assuming, do we just assume at this point Raz isn't coming back? I, he said something on Twitter that there was like some mitigating, like there were some mitigating circumstances in the background that it happened. I, he's in LA. He's at the Dignitas house. It's just for some reason he's not on stage. So that's, I don't, I don't think their problem is, you know, Raz isn't on stage. I think they're just a mediocre team. I don't know. It, it really does feel like he, their pick and ban phase and what they were playing around as a unit was much more interesting back when he was playing a bigger role. But, you know, who knows? Clearly, they don't have a lot of confidence in it. I don't have a lot of confidence in them regardless, so I guess it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But let's keep going to day two, Impulse versus NRG. It seems like this is the kind of game where if you're NRG, you got to win this one. You can't afford to be dropping games here if you want to feel confident in your ability as a playoff team and as someone that can secure a spot. Where do you think the line is? Oh, yeah. Playing the two worst teams in the LCS is a great way to turn your season around. <laughs> you would hope. Okay, where do you think the line is then? Uh, energy minus 275. Okay, you get this one. Oh, I actually went too low in a, in a twist of fates that we don't usually see on this pod. I okay. said energy minus 220. It is energy minus 250. Okay. Yeah. Which seems entirely reasonable, once again, which I, I do not appreciate here. But, uh, but he, it's decent. Let's get to the most interesting game of the week Cloud9 versus CLG. The battle for second place. The winner of this game will likely have it outright, just because of the way tiebreakers break down. Uh, and, and, and as long as neither of them drops off, I suppose we should say. Walter, what do you think is going to be the difference maker in this game? If you had uh, to pick one. I think it's going to come down to if the balls we saw the last couple weeks is... If balls is reincarnated. Mm-hmm. If, if we're going back to when balls was the best top laner in North America in like season three, that's, that's the difference maker here. Yeah. And I need to see one more week of balls playing really well. Like... Up until last week, he was he was passable. Like he was he was a decent top laner. He was doing his job. He's doing what he needed to do. And then last week, he deserved the MVP. Like we made the joke like the week before, I think when like or maybe it was a couple weeks before when Jensen like had the really really crazy Oriana games and the casters couldn't stop talking about balls. And we're like, okay, what's what's going on? Like Jensen's been freaking amazing. Like why are you talking about balls? So I I really need to see one more week of like really, really good balls for me to like hop on the train that he's back and that Cloud9 really is going to be like the best contender against Immortals. And if he can do it against Darshan and CLG, that's impressive. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. I think that this is the game where we're going to find out just how real of a contender Cloud9 is. Where do you think the line is on this game? I have Cloud9 minus 150. Okay, I get this one. I said CLG minus 140. It is minus 114 for both sides. So it's a push. It's an absolute push. And that's fair. It's, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't want to pick this game. Stay away. Can we just call this a stay away? Yeah. Like, why no in the world would gamble on this game? Yeah, it's, it's completely a trap game. You know, yep. it, it could go either way. Uh, you know, Jensen could have all these crazy teleport plays. 
you know, Sneaky could do, you know, Sneaky's perfectly capable of a Sneaky game. Darshan is perfectly capable of a Darshan game. Just stay away. It's going to be this, fun to watch. This is this might be one of the best games of the year to watch. Yeah. Like, this game should be really, really close, really, really back and forth. Of course, it also could be like Jensen or Darshan just completely control their opponent and go off. That's also in play. Like, Darshan could easily just destroy balls and Jensen could easily destroy Hui, which could be fun to watch. Yeah. Just don't ruin the viewing experience for yourself by gambling on this game. That's that's my yeah. biggest advice to you guys. Next up, Liquid versus TSM. Both teams really looking for a bounce back game. This is one that's going to be really important, I think, to both squads. Where do you think the line is here, Walter? Uh, I have TSM minus 180. Okay. I get this one. Yep. I said minus 250. Okay. It is minus 227. So it's even odds. It's the same exact odds as the Echo Fox game. Yes, and the uh, in the Liquid game over Impulse. Interesting. So yeah. that means interesting. Okay. Yeah, basically, Liquid and Echo Fox are being treated as the same team right now, which they're both five and seven. I don't think that's you know. Yeah, unfair. no, that's completely fair. I I think that's a very accurate way to have both of them. Yeah. Unfortunately, Walter, that does mean you lose the week because I'm now ahead six to three with two games left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you did better. You got points this time, so that's nice. <laughs> you know, you got a, small victories, Walter. Small victories. Uh, let's rush through these last two because I don't think there's there's much to really analyze here. Renegades versus Dignitas. Where do you think the line is here? Uh, Dignitas minus 200. Okay, you'd get this one. I said minus 220. It is minus 185, which is really just a shame because I wanted to use this as an example of my... If both teams are bad and anything one could really win, just take the points example. But Renegades oh, plus think, 140 isn't enough. I think there's way better, way better odds. In yeah. all honesty. No, there's, there's some interesting ones. But let's, let's get through this last one. Immortals versus Echo Fox. Largest line of the week. What do you think it is? I had Immortals minus 400, which is obviously wrong. Yeah, I went minus 450, so I was also obviously wrong. Minus 1,000. Just, That's fair. Just straight up, you know, minus a thousand. I don't care that you won four games in a row, Echo Fox. This is Immortals. You just don't mess <laughs> That's with fair. it. Yeah, I'm That's not going to argue with it. So smart money bets. Do we take Echo Fox plus 170 over TSM? I, I think we take both the TSM games. One of them's going to happen. I don't think TSM goes 2-0. Yeah, I think that's fair. So then T- Team Liquid plus 170 over TSM. So then we have one more game we need to figure out. Do we just run the... Roll the dice on the CLG plus two thirty over Immortals. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm I trying think, to think of uh, unless you want to do like unless you want to do tip over either Energy or Liquid. No, I don't want to put money on uh, Impulse. Thanks for asking. That's I mean, fair. I appreciate that's, it, but that's that's fair. I I think yeah. I I it's kind of weird that I feel better about gambling against Immortals than I do about gambling on Impulse, but. Or, or you, I, I think it's either CLG against Immortals or Renegades over Dignitas. Which do you feel better about? Wait, so you're asking me to put money on Renegades? <laughs> I mean, that that's your odds when two teams are terrible. Take the points. Yeah, but there's not enough odds. Plus 140 isn't worth it. The plus 230 on Immortals, I think that's value. I think CLG is better than the odds indicate there. Okay, I'm so not saying CLG win, over Immortals. I, Again, I just I don't know if Immortals is an eighteen. We're so far ahead on North America; it doesn't matter. <laughs> Walter, that's the kind of uh, 
That's the kind of philosophy that got Cloud9 problems. Did you not pay attention to the first section of this podcast? Gotta, you can't take stupid risks, man. I'm sorry. They won those games, right? <laughs> That's true. They did win. I guess it's fine then. Well, hopefully yeah. uh, we come through for you guys uh, and you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, you should go to soundcloud.com slash esportsroughdrafts and subscribe there. You can also find us on iTunes if you search Rough Drafts on there. Uh, if you leave us a review on either site, it makes a big difference for us, so we really appreciate it. You should also go to unicorn.com for all of your esports gambling needs and, of course, the community page where I do little write-ups to go along with all these podcasts that I think you guys will really enjoy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RedShirtKing. And, Walter, where can they find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL and at SlingshotEsports.com. Perfect. And, you know, we've been telling you guys we wanted to get more content to you for a while. And I can promise you there will be an interview coming early next week. I'm going to aim for it to be out to the public on Monday with two players that I think you guys are going to be really excited to hear from. Uh, there are players that I've wanted to interview for a while now. It's been an interview that we have been trying to organize for quite a bit, and I can't wait to share that with you guys. We will see you guys back on Monday, and until next time, goodbye, Internet.